just incredibly lucky. But I think the luck comes when you love what you are doing, you're passionate about what is happening for you, and you know that this is your path. Mm -hmm. You know, it just lights you on fire when you get up in the morning. Hey everyone, at Behind Our Empire, we're all about interviewing women and exploring different themes when it comes to building a business or a life that you truly want. And in today's episode, we explore the theme of avoiding severe burnout, the type of burnout that can put your entire health at risk. I've invited my dear friend, Alyssa Goodman, to talk about her powerful story, which is a reminder to make sure that even though we want to build businesses, grow our companies, and live successful lives, that we have to make sure we're always taking care of our health and emotional well-being through all the ups and downs. And with that, we'll go into our interview today. Hey everyone, I'm Yasin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. I want to welcome this week's guest, Alyssa Goodman, to our show today. Alyssa is an author, holistic nutritionist, cancer survivor, and lifestyle cleanse expert. Her early adult life was considered quote-unquote successful by her family and society standards. She was climbing up the corporate ladder, had her dream job, a great husband, and was financially doing very well for herself. Her life completely changed when she was diagnosed with cancer at the young age of 32. It was then when she finally realized how unhappy, unfulfilled, and exhausted she was living a life that wasn't true to her. After healing herself and quitting her own toxic career, she lost her husband to cancer shortly after. This was a huge turning point in her life. She immediately became a single mom to her two young daughters and had to elevate her health and well-being in order to be strong for her family and help them through such an emotionally traumatizing time. However, from life's tragedies, she found her purpose and calling. She's created one of the top holistic and lifestyle organizations and is on a mission to teach others on how to live a healthy and radiant life by combining what she says is life's best medicine, which is the combination of nutrition and self-love. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm always honored to do these, these kind of interviews. I, I absolutely love it. Well, I'm honored that you're with us today and your story is just so incredibly inspiring and powerful. So I'm excited for our listeners to learn more about you. I'd love to start from the beginning. I know you've mentioned in the past that life growing up for you was somewhat challenging. You grew up in a family that was quite accomplished and were movers and shakers. What kind of effect do you think this had on your childhood and life growing up? It was definitely positive and negative. Um, I would say the negative part was that I felt I didn't really feel good enough. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel like I could keep up. I didn't feel like I was probably ever going to be as successful and really motivated like they were because when I, when I was born, I, was, I always was sick. I had a low immune system. My immune system was a bit compromised. And my white blood cell count was low when I was born. So I had to get these blood shots every 28 days for years. And I was sort of labeled as a sick kid and could, you know, didn't have enough energy. And when I'd spend the night out at someone's house the next day, I'd be sick. I mean, it was just, it was really, really rough. And it was a hard thing to handle as a young person. Um, but as I, you know, of course got older, 
there were so many valuable lessons in what I learned growing up in a family like that. The positive was it made me really very much, you know, want to achieve all my goals and what I set out to do and like not to not stop until I did, you know, overcome obstacles mm -hmm. and get through a lot of hardships. So I'm one of those now that will never give up ever. Mm -hmm. And that was, that were, those were my parents. They never gave up until they were sort of forced to at the end when there was, you know, no possible way of getting what actually accomplishing what they wanted to. That's when they would give up. But um, that really was instilled in me. So I got a little bit of both. So growing up in a very accomplished family, and I understand your father was a self-made entrepreneur and everybody knew him in your town. How do you think those dynamics really shaped your own beliefs around money and how you define success? That's such a great question too, yeah. <laughs> especially with everything going on today. Right. Um, well, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really incredible to have so much at our fingertips because he, he was successful and he was able to make money. Um, and so it was a little, it was, it was, we got to travel all over the world. We got to meet really exciting, interesting business people. Um, we got to go to exciting events. I mean, that part of it, what I was exposed to so much in my life that, I mean, I would never want to take back ever. I'm so grateful. Um, on the other side of it was that because I was raised with all of that and the exposure and the money, so to speak, that I thought that that's the way the world was going to work for me. Mm. So I thought, you know, I had to make a certain amount of money to be successful and also do the, all of those things, you know, be friends with really big business people and entrepreneurs and people who are movers and shakers. And it's not as easy in this day as it was in their day. My father is would have been 91 this year. He passed away last year at 90. So, I mean, you know, years ago, it was the world was a little bit smaller place, a more contained place. And there weren't as many entrepreneurs and successful humans out there. So it seemed like potentially it was in some ways easier for him mm -hmm. um, because the the pot wasn't that big and you knew who you could call to get things accomplished and done. So it's been challenging the money part. Um, I do have very much of a high standard of, you know, what's going to make me happy money wise. And so I do work really, really hard to, you know, be successful in terms of what I bring in. Um, and it's, it's definitely, you know, challenging in the way that I think, um, sometimes I think it's things are, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. And that's been a bit of a challenge on my psyche and on my health at the end of the day. Um, I'm, you know, just take a step back and see how well I'm doing, but not feel like it's enough, um, is a little bit what I, you know, walked away from with the family that I grew up in, but I'm working on that. Working on it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll definitely get into it a little bit later on how your overall definition of success has changed over the years. But going back to your upbringing, it seems like based on your family and how your life was at the time, it really pushed you to get out of Arizona, to move to New York, to be that successful businesswoman that you always envision yourself to be. I'd love to hear more about that transition and how your life was at that time. I think um, it was such a beautiful time in my life. I just, I'll never forget 
my my parents had a treadmill and I was I had just graduated college and I was running on the treadmill and I was I grew up in Arizona and it's a little bit of a sleepy town in Phoenix and but my parents were really well known there so it's like everywhere I went people knew me and um, that's a good and a bad thing too and I was going wow I just I just don't feel like alive here and like mm-hmm. I can really sort of pave my own path in Phoenix because of who they are and who, you know, in terms of they're very philanthropic and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to be successful here. And so I'm running on the treadmill thinking, where can I go to really pave my own path and some place that's really dynamic where I can learn from very interesting, exciting people. And New York kept coming up. I had been to New York a lot with my dad on business and I absolutely love the electricity of the city, the energy of the city. I always thrived on that. I felt like Phoenix, it's a beautiful place to retire, not yeah. really a great place to, to be a young, you know, dynamic entrepreneur. So I moved mm-hmm. to New York and never looked back. Honestly, I was in New York for 10 years and then I moved to LA, which is also another pretty dynamic city. And um, I just had such an incredible time in New York in those 10 years, in my 20s and early 30s. Um, meeting all these incredible people and motivated, educated people and just mm-hmm. that, you know, we're like movers and shakers. So I, I'm so glad I did it because I'm not sure who I'd be if I had stayed. Yeah, for sure. And similar to you, I moved to New York in my early 20s and I lived that investment banking, Wall Street lifestyle. So was pushing really hard, not sleeping very well, and I was getting sick all the time. I know this was something you also experienced. So can you just walk through your own lifestyle when you were living in the city? Because it seems like that was really the beginning of your health journey and what was to come in your own life. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? I mean, especially investment banking. I mean, even today's world with investment banking and all of my, my kids friends that are graduating and going into investment banking. Ah, yeah. They're all they're all dying even though it's it's a great business and you know it's what it really needs to be for the 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 ones that are super you know know how to take care of themselves. Exactly. Right? They don't teach so. you that when you're staying up till 2 in the morning, you know, exactly. eating well, taking care of your immune system, but yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was the same way I was in the advertising business and it was I don't think it was probably as stressful as investment banking, but we were up many nights entertaining people that came in you know, the actually marketing people that came in from all the companies that we represented. We were representing television stations all over the country. The people that ran those television stations would come in and we'd have to entertain them Mm -hmm. um, all day and all night into the night as well. It was more partying than your, you know, you probably crunching numbers, but um, it just, it was a really hard life. It definitely was a lot of caffeine, a lot of sugar, a lot of, you know, not taking care of yourself. I was sick all the time in New York. And really at one point when I met my husband and married him, he was a New Yorker and was from Queens. And I basically was like, I'm, you know, we were talking about kids and family and moving out of the city. And he was thinking of moving out of the city out into the suburbs and I was like, oh my God, get me out of New York and East Coast. Out yeah. Those 10 years were enough for me. And I really wanted a slower, more, you know, just low key life to some degree. Like be able to pick and choose, you know, when I had to enter into that crazy world. Yeah, so we moved to LA. And um, I, he had never been to LA, never seen the Pacific Ocean. 
but it was a, it was a hard move because of all his friends and family were in the East Coast. And LA wasn't the easy, easiest place because everything was so spread out. Mm-hmm. But um, we did move here and had kids here and, and he became a golfer. So that sold him and he was <laughs> definitely a Laker fan. Yes. But, um, and, you know, he worked for ABC and Discovery and great, great companies. But it was when I moved here and um, I was still working cr- like a crazy person, um, got a job with Vogue magazine and I thought I had like reached the pinnacle with in the advertising business with a magazine like that. Yeah. And I basically said yes to a job. And I knew already my gut was telling me before I said yes to the offer that this was not going to be an easy place to be. And I might have like said, like I'd bitten off more than I could chew. I was mm-hmm. definitely in over my head. Mm-hmm. And the demands that they made on us were really excruciating and it wasn't that life that I was, it was definitely not giving me that life that I was looking for in terms of a little bit more low keyness and sort of balance. There was no balance at Vogue magazine. It was definitely Devil Wears Prada. But six months into the job, I was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so that in some ways gave me an out mm-hmm. with the job. Um, not the one I was looking for, of course, but it did really stop me in my tracks. And I realized that, wow, the life that I was living, trying to climb that corporate ladder, trying to make as much money as possible so I could have the houses and the cars and you know all the things, so to speak, it was not agreeing with me. And so many of us have been in similar positions where we're pushing hard to be, quote unquote, successful in society standards and really compromising our mental and emotional well-being along the process. So unfortunately for you, I'm sure it wasn't easy that something like cancer was really your first wake-up call to slow down your life and really think through how you wanted to live. And how did you even find out that you had cancer? I was getting a massage also. I didn't even have real hardcore symptoms that I you know knew of. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I never felt well, so I'm not sure I would have tapped into that. But I was getting a massage sitting upright, luckily, and the woman was massaging my neck and shoulder blades. And she felt a lymph node on my shoulder blade. And you really aren't supposed to have swollen lymph nodes on your shoulder blades. You definitely have them on your neck because you're fighting infections. You know, a lot of times tonsillitis or all kinds of infections are swollen lymph nodes on the neck, but not on the shoulder blades. So I went to the doctor and he just felt the lymph node and his reaction was like, so overkill. It was like, Oh my God, you might have cancer. And I was like, Oh Lordy, like really, you just felt a lymph node on my neck. And that's what you're telling me. Then I had a biopsy and it was cancer. And I went to two oncologists and they were very much like, you're going to have to do chemo, radiation. We might have to freeze your eggs because you haven't had kids yet. Mm -hmm. Do you have a donor? Because we might have to do a bone marrow transplant. And I was just like, holy shit. They were going down a road that was so fast and furious. And there was a last doctor that a friend of mine had wanted me to go see. And I was like, oh my, enough of the doctor's She's like, no, 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 you, need, you have to go see this guy. He was an oncologist radiologist at St. John's in Santa Monica. And I'm like, okay, my last doctor. So I go see him reluctantly and he looks at all my slides and my blood work and everything. And he sits me down and he's like, so tell me about yourself. Like, what's your life like? Are you happy? 
Are you stressed? You know, do you love what you do? Do you love your husband? Do you, you know, just all these, I'm like, wait, this is like therapy. Like, this is so strange for an oncologist to be asking me these questions. And I burst into tears Mm. at that time. And I was like, I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. I really hate my job. And I bit off more than I could chew. My husband's not happy in LA. I moved him here and I thought it would be a great place at this this time and moment. He hates LA. He wants to go back to New York and be with his family and friends. And I've been just working myself to the bone and not really feeling any kind of success, real success that I thought was successful and just feeling like shit and my emotional well-being is an absolute mess. And he was like, yep, that's what I figured. You know, I just want to tell you, you have a, you know, you have an early stage of Hodgkin's lymphoma Mm -hmm. and we can deal with this, but we need to get your emotional well-being under control. All those things you just said are probably the reason why you have cancer. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. But I didn't really know how, what to believe because in those days we weren't talking like that. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, he's so ahead of his times. Now yeah. it's a little bit more common, if anything. Yes. But- we do talk like that now. Not enough yeah. still, but we definitely, it's, it's definitely, as the studies have gone on, it's, we know it's about stress and, you know, not being emotionally happy and all of the, our trauma that you carry with us. So yeah, it was really, really beautiful. So I decided, I kind of took a step back and I was able to sort of reacclimate myself and go Mm -hmm. inward and just kind of listen to my instincts. And I knew what those other two doctors were saying with the chemo and the radiation, freezing the eggs. I was like, wow, I really don't think I need to go down that route. Mm -hmm. I probably need to do something. So I chose to do the radiation because it just seemed least invasive. Mm -hmm. I was really terrified of the chemo because of my immune system. So I chose not to do the chemo and some of the radiation and I did half the radiation. Mm -hmm. So that, and then I, I really went into the more holistic approach at that time. I started, you know, therapy. I started reading a lot of self-help books. I went into yoga, meditation. I actually started eating vegan, a lot more veggies, juicing, um, doing coffee enemas, colonics, you know, seeing a naturopath, seeing an acupuncturist. I just dove into the whole holistic way of healing and I was lucky. I healed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was sort of the beginning of, you know, what I get to do now, which I didn't realize also then, but it was a beautiful thing. I really was able to kind of get my bearings and my feet back on the ground and feel emotionally more stable and stronger. And I went on to have two healthy girls. Um, But as you know, 11 years after my diagnosis, my husband was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He, He was on that same path. He was, you know, I married like the duplicate of me. Mm-hmm. He was very motivated and wanted to make a lot of money and definitely wanted all those nice things and really felt like success was where it was at in the in the business world. So wow, that's so difficult. I mean, how did you find the strength to deal with your cancer, which you luckily recovered from, and then fast forward eleven years, your husband then being diagnosed. I mean, how did you feel at that time? It was terrifying. Yeah. It because really having two girls that were so young, um, and he died when they were ten and seven. So it, it was, and I, but I also felt like 
you know, since I survived, he was going to survive. Yeah. I really automatically thought that. And I also felt like I had investigated so much about the healing process that I thought we could help him um, during this time to get stronger and be stronger um, while he was getting treated or in between the treatment periods. But little did I know, and I'm not you know, sure if this was the case, but he, his dad died of, of melanoma when he was two years old. And so he had a trauma when he was two that was quite huge. So when he was diagnosed with cancer, I think what happened was he tapped back into that trauma and his dad didn't make it. And I'm not sure. I think that trauma really did um, cause him to maybe be unsure that he was actually going to make it, Mm. even though I did. So I feel like after he actually went down, he just followed everything the Western doctors said. He did a ton of chemo. He was young. He was 43 and a half. He did two bone marrow transplants and he didn't die from the cancer. He died from his immune system being compromised. He died of fungal pneumonia. He died basically because his immune system wasn't balanced and it went into overdrive. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now with the coronavirus, which is really fascinating, is that whole, um, you know, lung issue. It's when your immune system yeah. goes into overdrive and it, you know, it starts sort of, it, it, you basically, it needs to be in a calm state and a balanced state rather than in a hyper, in, you know, fight or flight state. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And he lived in fight or flight all his life. Mm-hmm. And definitely in, even more so when he was diagnosed, the fight or flight kicked in to a huge degree. And with me, I wasn't that scared, but I also was lucky because they said it was an early stage. And, you know, I, I went into more of that parasympathetic nervous system and was like, I got to chill myself out. He was like, I'm going to just fight this sucker and I'm going to win this battle. So it was a battle for him. And then yeah. instead of, it wasn't such a battle for me. It was like, I'm going to take things off my plate instead of add things to my plate. Yeah. And I think for you, you really followed your intuition. You didn't go down that Western route and you decided not to do chemo and certain things that they were telling you. So that's definitely unique. And you've talked a lot about how important it is to listen to your intuition and your instincts, which I know is something you've been doing ever since you were even a younger kid. I just think we all we all have the instincts. We're born with, with these incredible instincts. But as we go along as you know, kids and young adults, and we have these people in our life that direct us in a certain path and say, hey... You know, you're not supposed to feel that way. No, that's not the right thing to do. You know, we listen to that and then we lose touch with our instincts. Everybody has an incredible instinct about what they should or shouldn't be doing with their life or what they shouldn't, shouldn't be eating or, you know, what supplements they should take or how much sleep they need or how much exercise. I mean, we all individually know what each of us need. Absolutely. And it's something that I continuously work on, on just how to listen to my instincts and really tap into that space because we hear it time and time and again on all of our interviews with women from all backgrounds, all walks of life that say very similar things. So I'm glad that you brought that up. So I want to go back to the point in your life when you lost your husband. How did you balance grieving his loss and also realizing at that point that you're now the sole breadwinner of your two young daughters? 
Yeah, that felt like hell. That was not, uh, it was like, oh my God, how am I, yes, how am I going to go back into the marketing advertising world? Um, Because that's what I knew. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just couldn't imagine working those hours and nights and then having two young girls at home. Um, So I really, you know, tried to go inward again and see, figure out what really I was passionate about. And I knew I was passionate about helping people heal and, and learning more about helping, like healing myself and the girls and making us stronger. And because this devastation of what I had experienced, not only with my own growing up, you know, trauma, as well as my cancer, but his was really, really rough. And so I needed to learn how to deal with traumas and learn how to let go of trauma because I knew I was holding on to a lot of that and that was causing a lot of health issues as well. So I just went back to school and got certified in Eastern and Western nutrition. I learned about trauma. I learned about post-traumatic stress. I dove into all of that and I just realized that you know, there are some simple ways to help people get in touch with all of this and really help them get over health issues, cancer, autoimmune, all of those things. But at the time, I was just really wanting to like get over it myself and also help the girls get stronger because yeah. I was worried that they were going to feel like they would get cancer because they had two parents who had cancer. So I did that. And then when I graduated from my program, it was about two years um, one of the restaurants called Cafe Gratitude in LA hired me to put together a cleanse program, a healthy eating program for them. And I did that for about four and a half years. And then another restaurant called M Cafe, which is another healthy macrobiotic restaurant, asked me to do a similar program for them. So I did that for six and a half years. And I worked with Erewhon and Earth Bar, other places here in LA with healthy eating programs. So I kind of like was propelled into this whole world and I just got really, really lucky. But I think I was lucky because I had really discovered what my passion was mm-hmm. and, and working 24 seven, you know, sort of figuring out how I could help people was not work for me. So that was the beautiful thing. And so when I dove in to do those health programs, I was handholding these cleansers and they had all kinds of health issues. And I would just I couldn't wait to find out what their health issue was so I could just investigate how it was going to help them outside of the cleanse. It's really incredible to look back on your journey and see from such difficult and traumatic experiences with your own health and your husband's that really propelled you to want to learn as much as you can in nutrition and health to keep you and your family healthy and your two daughters. And it's just beautiful to see that you discovered your purpose and your passion through that process and created a business around it. So when you were doing cleanses for these larger retailers, was that a path you knew you always wanted to pursue when you went to nutrition school? Or at what point did you realize that this could be a potential business? You know, it really wasn't. I mean, I didn't think that I was going to, you know, go into the business. Um, But like I said, I got lucky because Cafe Gratitude, um, a friend of mine brought it down from San Francisco. It was a a vegan restaurant. It was new to LA and they Mm -hmm. hired me to put together a program for them. And because of my marketing advertising background, I put together all the brochures, all the materials for the program. And I just like, it was like they opened this door for me and I stepped in to this and it was, it just kind of happened because 
I was passionate about doing this and I think they could tell. Um, yeah. And I did it for a bunch of restaurants in LA. Um, and then I ended up starting my own soup cleanse, it's called, but it's a healthy eating program that was just needed. So I got just incredibly lucky. But I think the luck comes when you love what you are doing, you're passionate about what is happening for you. And you know that this is your path. Mm -hmm. You know, it just lights you on fire when you get up in the morning, which I think for a lot of people, their businesses and their work don't do that. So I, I just really got lucky. I stepped into something that was just that opportunity of, you know, nutrition and wellness and not ever in a million years thinking that I would do that for a career. And I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, I, you know, it's probably been almost 10 years. It's definitely eight years, but wow. To see where I was then and where I have come today is like, I pinch myself because it's not an easy business to make money in at all. It's, it's really tricky. You know, it's like you're, if you're selling your time, like a lawyer, you know, it's not easy like as a nutritionist, you know, just talking to people and helping them for an hourly basis. Um, so I got really lucky and I basically put together a healthy eating program that I sell and I cook and I deliver and I sell and that's been super successful. That's so great to hear. I'm such a fan of your soup cleanse and also the new bars that you have. They're so good. So if you're listening, I highly, highly recommend you check out Alyssa's website. It's really nutritious, healthy, and really yummy food. But one thing that really stands out to me, just looking at your transition into your new career and starting a business is that you used the skills that you had from your first career in marketing and advertising in this new world. So you mentioned you really dived deep into that when you started introducing these cleanses with the retailers. And I think that's just a good reminder for all of us because we all have skills that can translate into a new job or business that might be in a new industry. And it's great to see the success that you've built for yourself around these different programs that you offer. I love food too. I'm a foodie. So food has to taste good. And so I know when people look at cleanse, they're like, oh no, you know, it's going to be depriving. It's not going to taste good. I'm going to be miserable. Right. But I tried to make it not that way. You definitely did a great job with that. So going back to a comment that you made about how it's difficult to really grow your practice as a nutritionist and you're thinking about different avenues to build your business and make money. Did you have any mentors at the time that you really lean into that helped kind of guide you in this new industry that you were in? I did. I did. I had a, I had a coach that was um, a wellness coach at the time and he was, he, he's still in my life. His name's Waking Up With Right. He has website and everything's called Waking Up With Ryan. His name's Ryan Weiss. He's this incredible, incredible human. Um, and he's still a very, very close friend of mine. And he was doing more, you know, Marion Williamson kind of coaching work and spiritual work and getting people to, you know, be grounded and really tap in to see, like we were talking about, you know, what their passion is and mm -hmm. what they wanted to do with their life if they weren't doing what they loved or just getting centered on, you know, trying to find love in their life. Um, but he was so incredible. He basically sort of helped me 
like talk through how I wanted to present myself, how I wanted to present my company. He helped me come up with my first title of my book called Cancer Hacks. You know, it was all about really honing in on what I knew. And um, so I wrote my first book and that also was really helpful in the business and getting out there. But he was amazing. Um, there were quite a few people that were in the wellness space that I also, you know, coming from the background that I came from, my parents were very social and very, like, they definitely knew how to, um, like, work the crowd in terms of introducing themselves to people and meeting people. Um, not that not just because they would do something for them, but they just always, they loved people. I basically got that attribute from them. And when I got, when I got into the wellness space, I just wanted to meet everyone that I could meet and see who I would connect with. And, and most of those people that I met back then are still very, very good friends. And we all support each other in this space. So I would say that that is a humongous part of my success are those people. Though, I mean, they're successful and we all support each other and you know, make sure to guide and help each other. And it's, it's just been such an incredible experience. And I think that's important to talk about because anything that is great and amazing comes from really having this support system and hearing you really lean into your coaches, your mentors, your friends to help you get to that next level, I think is just a good reminder for all of us that when we're trying to create a business or really going into unknown or switching careers, it's always helpful to talk to people who are in the industry because you never know what kind of perspective that they can give you which can even help you in your own life. We all need, you know, someone to bounce ideas off of, you know, just mm-hmm. to help us stay on track, um, mm-hmm. you know, help us. I mean, nowadays there's so much out there with, in terms of the wellness space. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed with what's out there, especially with the coronavirus and all the online and lives and, you know, online you know, yoga and meditation and breath work and, and webinars you know, of coaching everything. and webinars. Yeah. I mean, it's like supplements. Oh. And- <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh my God. I'm like, oh my God. Every time I go on Instagram or, or social, I'm like, oh, I my know. head is spinning. But I, we didn't have that then. So there was an Instagram when I started. There was Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. So we did use that, but we really had to go off of the old skills of calling people and meeting with people and, you know, sitting down and talking about well, what our future held. So, Well, you've done a great job rebuilding your life and really creating that sense of stability for you and your family. So I came across another interview that you did where you had mentioned that you only started to love yourself when you turned 58. Can you talk to us about how your perspective of self-love has changed throughout the years? Yeah, it's, you know, I think that is the biggest thing that I've learned in all these years in terms of really true healing at the root level is that most of us do not love ourselves. When a client comes in, I ask them that question, um, do you love yourself? And I would say nine out of 10 people say no. And they say it really fast. Um, And they're like, I don't even know what that feels like or looks like, or am I supposed to love myself? You know, it's so wild. Um, And I just, I realize that if we don't 
you know, all these years of, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and trying to be successful and, you know, just working late hours and pounding yourself into the pavement, the stress that comes with all of that is enormous. Mm -hmm. And so being in that fight or flight mode for so many years is just not going to pay off in the future. It's not good for health. It's not good for mental well-being, emotional well-being. It's not good for anti-aging, all of those things. And it's not good for what's going on now. You know, when you're just in a hyped out state and not ever feeling like you're nothing you're doing is good enough or you're not good enough, um, it's just a recipe for disaster. So a couple years ago, I went into a mode. I've had all kinds of health issues. I had Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, the cancer, I had shingles, I had celiac, I had anxiety. I mean, you name it, I've had. And a couple years ago, I went into a insomnia mode where I stopped sleeping in my entire life. I've always been an incredible sleeper. And I went to all my functional doctors, went back to acupuncture, naturopaths. Nobody could figure out why I wasn't sleeping. Even my energy healers, I mean, I'm Reiki certified. I mean, nobody could really, we couldn't come up with the reason. And finally, after probably like a year um, of having some major bouts with insomnia um, and definitely taking some, you know, holistic supplements and then also taking some drugs and CBD and weed and the, I tried it all. I realized that, wow, one night I was up all night and I was like, oh my God, I was looking at a picture of myself as a little girl. And I'm, and I asked myself that question, you know, do, do you love yourself? You know, and I, the answer was absolutely no. And I didn't even know how to give love to that little girl. I think it was about, maybe I was 10 seven, eight, ten, nine, ten. I was like, oh my God. Wow. Like, have you ever loved yourself? And the answer was no. And so from that moment, I realized that that was so sad that I never really had tapped into that. And and then from that moment on, I tapped into it and I started working with my healers and um, and my acupuncturist and myself, you know, just tapping into the ways that I could heal, love myself. And that's when I also, about a year ago, did a much, some mushroom journeys with the psilocybin mushrooms. And I read, you know, Michael Pollan's book about all of that. And yeah, tell me that, more about that. that. <laughs> because that was, I, people talk about it and they're like, do it with a coach. I would love right. to hear more. Yeah, that was that was probably the biggest turning point. I mean, tapping into the not having the love was really profound. But then, how was I gonna really achieve that love? I mean, mentally, I could tell myself, "Yes, I love myself. I love myself." Over and over again, I could write it down and journal about it, you know, and um, have a gratitude practice for it and all of that. But like, and mentally, I could relate to it. But how was I physically gonna take this? like in and really feel the love. And that's when the mushrooms kicked in. And I had a coach that I did it with and I did like a shaman's dosage of it, which is like three grams of psilocybin. And I was definitely terrified because I'm not one that likes to be out of control. I could never smoke pot because I would feel anxious and totally out of body and never was a good experience for me. So um, I did this journey and 
he guided me through it. I mean, I definitely saw a lot of trauma as a child and mm-hmm. I saw a lot of things that I was doing that weren't, weren't really working for me. So I saw a lot of darkness. I saw an ego that was in the way of really getting what I wanted, like that, that really pure love and the connection with people. And just like, I was like, oh, this is so ugly and unattractive. So I got to like separate myself from my ego and I got to separate myself from me mm-hmm. and watch me and how I function and how much I didn't really give love to myself and also didn't really honor myself with love, you know, love and kindness and the things I would say to myself or do. And it, that was the most profound thing I've ever experienced in my life. So he guided me through it and was basically saying, you know, so what would you do differently now? And, you know, realizing that I wasn't doing things so nice to myself or treating myself kindly. And basically I just, you know, I hysterically cried and realized, oh my God, like I would never treat anybody this way, the way I treat myself. So I came out of that experience, like forever changed ever, ever in my life. It was the wake up call and the feeling that I got out of it, the visceral body feeling of, I never want to feel that way ever again in terms of, you know, the way I treated my, like seeing how I treated myself. Wow. What a transformational experience. And I'd be curious to learn more about how you incorporated that in your day-to-day life right now. Did it change certain practices that you now do? Yeah. Now it's, now it's really, I can really tap into my body and how I'm feeling energetically Mm -hmm. so much quicker and faster. And I know how to get myself back present in my body because I feel like we're all so disconnected from ourselves. Um, So I really only need five, 10 minutes in the morning to set my intention for the day, to get myself grounded, to do a little breath work. And Mm -hmm. throughout the day, like before I, I would get so frustrated when I do my breath work or my meditation, because I didn't get the, you know, I didn't get what I was looking for. But now since I've done, I've done like three or four journeys, but so I've really gotten that feeling of what it feels like to be in my body and to know what, what I want. So I, it's, it's really nice now to be able to, you know, also when I'm somewhere with somebody and I'm not present, it feels really crappy these days. So now I can really feel how, what that feeling's like and get myself back to the, and be present with them and get out of it what I'm looking to get out of it with, which is either that, you know, connection with that person that's across the table for me or making that person feel loved and feel valued and feel like they're worthy. I think that also is an incredible thing for business people to have, to be able to acquire that skill. I definitely wish I had acquired that skill way long ago than yeah. 58, 59 and 60. But I guess, you know, it's never too late. But if I, I think I'd acquired that skill earlier on, I would have been so much more successful earlier. But um, I'm not saying I definitely happy with my success today. But I think that is a, that is a really beautiful thing to, and not just be, you know, going a million miles an hour down the road and thinking for the, thinking about the future of what that success looks like, but to be present with the people you come in contact with that are going to make you, that are going to make you successful and to have them have a connection with you 
that is really deep and meaningful where they want to help you and really have an admiration for you. Maybe they do, you know, because you're successful and you've made a lot of money, but I think it's so fabulous that they do have that connection with you because you're just a kind, beautiful, loving person. Wow, that's so beautiful to hear. And going back to your point on how you now treat people and how you're very present and you genuinely connect with them. I think in life and in business, people want to feel listened to, people want to feel heard. So I think it's a great lesson for all of us just to remember as well. So going back to your business, I'm sure the way you now run your business and set your own goals has changed considerably. I mean, back in the day, you were more so in fight or flight mode. I think you would push yourself to exhaustion and you talk about just how much more stressed you were. I would love to learn more about how that's impacted the way you run your business today. Yeah, absolutely. That was me all along earlier. The, you know, the goal setting. And when I didn't reach the goal, it was so yeah. discouraging and disappointing and I beat myself up. But now I don't operate that way. I operate just moment to moment, day to day. And like, who can I connect with today? It's not, it's not always strategic. You know, it's like, it's like I, these people come into my world and I don't even know who they are, but if you're present and loving and, you know, basically want to help them, it's, the world is your oyster. I couldn't agree more. Really that power of a genuine connection and really being present with someone and showing that you're listening and that you care. I've just seen so many more quote unquote opportunities come in that natural way than being strategic. So especially, you know, during the coronavirus, when life has slowed down for all of us, I feel like, you know, more so connecting with others and being present there's so much beauty and opportunity that can even come from that. Yeah. And then we were talking about that. Yeah. It just comes all full circle, right? This opportunity right now, it definitely is a little scary what's happening, but yeah. like the opportunity is so huge for all of us to really tap in and to find out what really makes us tick and what we're passionate about and, you know, make small steps towards that passion and, and really be present with that you write, like you said, the people that come into your life, because you don't know if who is going to change your life forever. That's so true. You never really know who and when someone can completely change your life. I mean, even looking back at my life, there's at least a handful that have done that. So it's definitely, definitely true. So I want to switch gears and talk about your fiance. You've spoke so glowingly about him and I would love to hear how he's played a role in your life and more about your relationship. Well, um, he's pretty incredible. Um, he, he basically, ha what he's done for me is he has really stepped, he kind of takes a back seat to what I do. Um, not necessarily in terms of like, I can help him nutrition wise and help him with his health issues. And, you know, also emotionally too, I can help him with all that stuff, but he's taken a back. He, and he's really, really smart. He went to Princeton and he also went to Columbia law school. So he's a lawyer, has his own law firm. Um, he's quite brilliant. He plays the guitar and he writes books and, yeah, you'd think that I'd be like, oh my God, another, you know, really successful person in my life that I can't keep up with. But 
it's been really amazing. He has taken a step back and let allowed me to explore my own path. Mm-hmm. Um, he never steps in until like I have to beg and plead him, you know, to help me with something. But what has been so incredible is that he, you could tell energetically and just in a quiet way, he knows that I know what I'm doing or I can do it on my own. I've not always felt like I could, as you can imagine. And what I've talked about, about with this interview um, with parents like I have, I've always had to ask for advice from everybody. And am I doing it right? And is this good enough? And he's been just a solid support in going, you know what is right. You know what's good enough. You, you know, you have it all to deal with and you know what to do. And it's been so incredible to have someone not step in all the time and have, and help me. It's been frustrating Mm -hmm. at times because um, I thought I couldn't do it, but now looking back um, I was able to do it um, with a little bit of his help, you know, but, and I guess the big part of his help was that he always knew that I could, I would be able to do it on my own without his guidance. And um, that was the biggest gift anyone could ever give me. And he never wanted me to be anything different. He just Mm -hmm. always just accepted me for whatever I was doing at the time. I mean, the guy hates social media, so I could never put him on my social media, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh I want to see him. Yeah, my Instagram, sounds amazing. Oh my god! No way! No way! No how! I mean, he would probably we would disown me if I put him on there once in a while. I sneak him on. Yeah, but, put um, a filter on his face. You I, know, I do. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it's been like it's it's just he's like a steady, just like person that. Um, it feels so amazing to have somebody so cool and and smart in my life uh, that also thinks I'm I'm right there, even though I didn't go to Princeton or Columbia or those kind of schools. Um, but and emotionally, it's just been such a beautiful partnership because mm-hmm. I think that he he needed um, someone who was you know loving and heartfelt and you know passionate and compassionate. So, um, I, we've been such a great team together because of that. And we've been able to, you know, help each other in so many ways. So I love yeah, that. I just, I feel really, really, really blessed and lucky. And he's, he's chilled me out. I mean, I am definitely not a chilled person and, you know, I've always been very, like, like I said earlier, type A and kind of aggressive and I'm an Aries and, you know, just, I'm a bull in a China shop. <laughs> And he's just, he's been really great at just chilling me out and being like all those things we talked about, like, you're not going to get anywhere being a bull in a china shop. You just, you know, you got to learn ways to do it gracefully and, um, and, and know how to connect with people in a different kind of way. So that's been pretty amazing. I love that. And, you know, whether it's your fiance or friend or family, just having that support of someone who doesn't put any judgment on you, who's just supportive and confident. I mean, I feel like it can really take you to the next level, you know, personally and professionally. So that's so, so beautiful to hear. And not like he also isn't intimidated by any of it. So that's also a beautiful thing because I think, you know, if the shoe is on the other foot, I don't know how I, I would feel. I hope I would be as as gracious as he is. So yeah, yeah, and I think you know a lot of these women that I've been interviewing, their partners are very similar. They're not intimidated by the success that they've brought for themselves or the fact that they're very independent. 
it's mm-hmm. a true partnership. Yeah. So I always love talking about it and, <laughs> you know, hearing different people's stories. So thank I you. I really hope that for my girls, like that, you know, partnership like this, you know, yeah, there's someone who really does support them in the independence mm-hmm. and, and being successful and not being intimidated by it. I know. I just, uh, that's the best thing that us women can, can really get. That's very true. And speaking about your daughters, how do you think your upbringing and family dynamics has impacted or even changed the way that you raise your two daughters? Oh my God, this, do you have a whole other hour? I know. <laughs> I could talk to you for days. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was really hard. My mom and I didn't have the greatest relationship. Um, there was a lot of competitiveness with her and my, I didn't quite understand why or really to this day, we don't have it now, but it was a lot of years of, of that. So it was a really difficult um, relationship and I was terrified of having girls because of it. And of course I get two girls, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a reason I got two girls and I wasn't great, a great mom at the beginning. I, I just followed sort of in my mom's footsteps with how she taught me how to be as a mother. And until the wake up calls came when my husband died and then basically trying to go back and figure out, you know, how to love myself and care for myself and just chill out and all of those things. Um, that's when I really turned to be a better mother um, because there was definitely part of me that wanted them to be successful and beautiful and thrive and, you know, really put the pressure on them early on to do all that. And it was a disaster. They just completely put up the walls and kind of said F you to me um, for years. And then then when I realized, wow, I'm doing the same thing my mom did to Mm. me that I stepped back and and knew that I wasn't, again, going to get what I wanted from them. I wasn't going to get intimacy from them, connection. I wasn't going to get honesty or really deep felt love from them. Um, that's when the wake-up call came, and I was like, uh, this is not the relationship I want with them. And now, since all of that has changed, and we all kind of are in that same boat, we all work on ourselves, the three of us. That's so really wonderful. Hard. I know. We yeah. all are into just really finding that deeper place for our ourselves to get what we want out of life. And so we're kind of all three in the same place on the same journey. And it's the most incredible thing to be like yesterday was my birthday and just having them with me and what we've gone through and what we've accomplished and just being able to be at peace and have this incredible love for them as people and who they are today, just, and not even having them be anything different it's so relaxing and calming and, you know, it's just like it puts everybody at ease mm-hmm. when you accept them for who they are and, and, and they accept me for who I, I mean, it's just, and they do give me shit all the time about <laughs> my, my stuff, which I, you know, my mom never allowed me to do when, when she would step out of line, but I do allow them to like, just give it to me. Sometimes it's not so pretty and I, you know, it's not a very fun thing, but I'm so grateful when they do tell me because 
I already know in my instincts, I'm stepping out of line and saying something I shouldn't. I'm sure we could all definitely relate to that. But it's so beautiful to hear how your relationship, even with your daughters, changed once you really built that self-love for yourself. And walking through your own dynamics and your own relationships with them is, is just so beautiful. So you've definitely raised two incredible daughters. And like you said, it's definitely obvious that you guys have all done the work. Well, Alyssa, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and just being so open and transparent about your journey and sharing it with us. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And I love what you do. And you're just, you're also just this bright light in the world that is so accomplished and incredible. So you're you're just an incredible person. So I'm honored to be able to know you. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.